0: People confuse their hobby with a startup. What you love doing does not equate to somebody wanting to pay you money to do that.
1: The thing that you need to do is you need to wait until you have an idea. There's a lot of investors out there, and most of them say no most of the time.
0: I think people get hung up on Silicon Valley funding being the only route to success.
1: Money is not being given to people who are traditionally marginalized from Silicon Valley.
0: If you just walk through the math, it's like, oh, it just doesn't add up.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Berger, founder of Dark.
0: I'm Edith Harba, CEO and co founder at LaunchDarkly.
1: And you're listening to To Be Continuous, a podcast about continuous delivery and software development.
0: You can get in touch with us anytime at our Twitter handle, at ContinuousCast.
1: The show is brought to you by HeavyBit. To learn more, visit HeavyBit.com. And while you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. Hey, Paul. Mm
0: -hmm. What advice would you give to somebody starting a startup today?
1: Well, I think I think the obvious advice is don't do it. Come back, get a real job. You don't think startups are a real job? No, they're they're not a real job. It's like you're playing around with shit. And <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> no, I'm I'm completely joking about that. Actually, I would go in the opposite direction. I would say that if you're thinking of starting a startup now, and you're like, oh, you know, all I need is another year to like build up whatever, whatever justification you give yourself is like, stop what you're doing, quit your job, start a startup like this moment. Put the podcast down go to Stripe Atlas or Clerky or whatever you use to incorporate and then just go.
0: So as somebody who did do a Clerky, I, I do agree with that one. I think the counter I would have, I mentor a lot of startups through accelerators. Mm-hmm. I do two a month and I've been doing this for three or four years mm-hmm. and then plus informal. People confuse their hobby mm-hmm. with a startup. Yeah, And I mean by that the very dangerous advice of do what you love. Yeah, And there's a corollary that like, what you love doing does not equate to somebody wanting to pay you money to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. There is a feeling that any startup is valid and that any idea is valid, and that the thing that you need to do is you need to wait until you have an idea.
0: So I think we were completely agreeing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you need to have a fully baked idea. I think what people confuse is that something that you really like doing equates to people wanting to pay you enough money mm-hmm. that that's a living right, for right. you.
1: I would say that there's, there's a lot of people who have no idea what they're doing and who play startup. Mm. And when I've done any sort of like random mentorship, like when we went to Web Summit that time, and yeah. they, they, they pair you up with people. Yeah. And I would say like half of them just did not know what they were doing.
0: Like doing on what front?
1: So it's sort of like the very basics. The We need to validate as cheaply as possible. We want to iterate quickly to get to product-market fit. Product-market fit is the thing that we're actually looking for. It's sort of the, the startup one-on-one thing, they see some of the trappings of startups. They see, like, oh, speaking at conferences. They, you know, Or I have this idea, I'm just going to build it. And once it is built, the world will see the value of, of my startup. Oh, it and I've seen work people who is. have burned a fortune doing this. I, I remember talking to these people who had spent... I think $70,000 of their friends and family money and they had very little left and they were building a social network. And oh I was God. like, you're completely screwed. Actually, so number one advice I have for, for startup founders, build a nice B2B startup. <laughs> put put down whatever consumer thing you're doing, whatever variation on Instagram or Twitter or, or Spotify that you think is like going to be a really good idea, especially if you're young. Uh, put it down. Talk to some business that has some problem that they're currently solving in Excel and build that, and you will make money.
0: So, Paul, by the way, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just pushing back now because, like, yeah. Snap, Instagram.
1: So that's exactly it, right. You've got these exceptions for Snapchat to succeed or for, for Instagram, right? These these were all Facebook with some twist, right? There were ten thousand startups that died for Instagram to survive or for for Snapchat that's to survive. That's very a yeah, I mean, so many people were trying to do something. And these ones, which were like well funded and had people for like who were well connected, and that's where those ones survived. How many things that were like Medium were there that only succeeded because of Williams? Mm. Yeah, just like put end the social thing. Like, B2B startup, you will get validation because people will give you money.
0: Can you walk through why you think B2C is so bad?
1: So I don't necessarily think B2C is bad, but I think a big idea that relies on users and, and that kind of thing that is it's not even bad, it's just hard. It's a lottery ticket and there's so many startups that are so much easier to do.
0: Yeah, I mean I can walk through the math because I was at a B2C startup. Yeah. Like say you have a moderate success and you have like 20 million users. Mhm. And you're like, "Woohoo, I have 20 million users." Yeah. All right, what's the math then? If you're ad-supported, like, are mm-hmm. you getting $10 per 1,000 impressions? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is extremely good. Mm-hmm. So now you're looking at, okay, I'm making $4 million a year? Mm-hmm. That's not yep. a big success. And then it's like, okay, I can monetize and charge everybody 50 bucks. Well, don't worry, we'll figure out the monetization later. If you just walk through the math, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it just doesn't add up.
1: Right. And also, you'll have to go through such... Incredible dilution as you like sell more and more of your company because your company doesn't make any money, and then you're going to get fired at Series B anyway because you're not going to have control of your company. Uh, the, have you have you read Hatching Twitter? I haven't. Oh, it's haven't. very good. Loads of people got fired, and then someone else, or like Jack got fired, and then Ev got fired, and then Jack got brought back in, and who knows?
0: I can't read anything within I think about ten years of Silicon Valley because it's just too. It's too real. It's too real. It's yeah. like everything that's happened, like. There was a good book that came out about the beginnings of Silicon Valley from the Mm. the sixties and seventies. That it was a bunch of people that came over to work for a chip manufacturer, yeah, and then broke off and started their own chip. Right, right, yeah. The 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 Intel story, the Shockley, the traitorous Shockley Eight, yeah, and like those are relevant because you Mm -hmm. you can feel them. Oh, that's another type of
1: company that's hard. Hardware company. Hard. Don't don't do a hardware company.
0: Yeah, no. I felt that I did a hardware company. It is Mm. incredibly hard.
1: I, I think one of the things that confuses people is that there's so much money available today and often they're confused, like, why can't they have the money when all these stupid companies are, are getting money?
0: I think there's a lot of money and there's not at the same time.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. There's money for people who have some sort of proof and unfortunately some sort of proof is often, oh, I worked at Uber for two years. Yeah, Money is being given to people where there's n- not necessarily any adv- real things, whereas Money is not being given to people who are traditionally marginalized from Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah, and I had this rude shock. So I was a product manager in um, 2007, 2008 mm-hmm. at a really small company under eight people. And I had this idea that VCs were seeking out these crazy. <laughs> no, you're laughing, but yeah, no, I, no, I, no, 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 I, 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 I
1: completely agree. I, I
0: had this starry eyed view of, well, VCs are looking for like the moonshots, the crazy yeah, 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 ideas, no. the outliers. Yeah. No, they're not. No. They're not at all.
1: They're looking to invest in a thing that has a predictable return where they can see it.
0: Yeah. And I I don't even blame the VCs anymore. Uh, Now that I'm more in the ecosystem for Mm -hmm. better or for worse, like I had a a former employee who started his own company. Mm -hmm. And I think the world of this guy, I'll Mm -hmm. call him uh, John. No, that's too close. (laughs) I'll call her Stephanie for lack of a better word. And I'm personally investing in her company because I'm like Stephanie's great. I know that mm-hmm. she's going to succeed. Yeah. And Angel VC's like, "What do you think about Stephanie?" I'm like, "Amazing, great, mm-hmm. very early passion employee." Yeah. Uh, like, what do you think of her idea? And I'm like, oh, "I think she's going to pivot around." Yeah. And but you should invest. Yeah. And the VC said, "Well, I have to justify this to my Nordic pension fund." Mm-hmm. And I cannot justify. This is a seed yeah.
1: investment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they meant it very sincerely. They're like, yeah. I have to do my own weekly update calls with my Nordic pension fund. Oh my god! And like, I cannot just say. I mean,
1: if you're a seed fund, it's like, yeah, I like the way they talked about the idea. It seems like they'll probably do something. That's like the level of just. Like, do you remember like, when? Well, when, that's, when, that's
0: what I was trying to say. I was like, right. I was like, I work with Stephanie. She's amazing. I know she's going to do great. And like Nordic pension fund is yeah, not going to yeah, buy yeah. that in my memo.
1: Jeez, you've raised money from the wrong people, or that you you have the wrong people as your LPs.
0: Well, that's a, like it was it was our first time fund. Yeah. So they are a new seed investor. They yeah. don't have any sort of track record.
1: I, I remember talking to a bunch of angels when we were raising money for Dark, and they were like, "Dark isn't going to be at the stage that we needed to be for the time that we are like raising the next round and having proven our metrics from the previous round." And it's like, I, you know, you kind of respect that because because everyone has their own thing, but at the same time, it's like. You know whatever happened, like the, when, when the angels were just throwing their own money around, it was a lot better in a lot of ways.
0: Well, in completely full disclosure, uh, I personally invested in Dark. Yes, yes, Edie
1: e personally invested in Dark and was one of our most useful investors during uh, during the early days. Well, oh, you don't have to say that just to flatter me. I mean, during the early days, Edie was one hundred percent our most useful angel. Less so recently, Edie, what's what's happened? Busy own company. Oh, that's
0: terrible. <laughs> that's awesome. No, but I mean, uh. I mean, we talked in an early episode about how you and Ellen have pivoted a couple. T- I don't know if "pivot" Ooh, is the right word. I don't, I would, no, I no, p- pivots are strong. Yeah. You've narrowed your focus a couple times.
1: We have experimented with various ideas that solve our mission, and uh, I think it was the second time we found one. Yeah. Uh.
0: So, I mean, my thinking was like, Ellen and Paul are going to do something awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's a lot of people's feelings about VCs, and they're really not like that at all.
1: No, no. I mean, that's really how angels think. Like I remember being in a conversation with uh, I think it was Paul Buchheit, and he was talking about Justin TV. So Justin TV originally was he strapped a camera to his head yeah. and documented his life. And this uh, is pre GoPro. Yeah, th- this was pre GoPro, and you know, it became Social Cam and Twitch and the modern Justin TV. And so, like, you know, three different companies came out of presumably this one investment that had uh, meaningful exits or, or current valuations, and. His logic was this guy just said he's going to strap a camera on his head 24 hours a day, so I give him
0: $25,000. I have thoughts about this one. Mm -hmm. I think there are two or three time founders that get a huge benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, if you've sold a company for like Stuart Butterfield. Right Slack, Slack just yeah. went public recently, but he sold Flickr in in a time where twenty five million was a lot for an exit, and he was the dude. Uh, and so when he went to raise money the second time, they're absolutely giving him the money,
0: yeah. so people have this perception that there's a lot of money floating around mm-hmm. to go back. and it's like, no, there's a lot of money floating around if people have at least something defensible to invest in you,
1: people who have proof. Yep. can raise money very very easily. And yeah. unfortunately that proof is often these three white men went to Stanford or you know coming out of Y Combinator or something along those lines or our personal friends of the VC like that it's very easy to get money if you have one of those things or if you have actual traction and often people are you know they're raising seed rounds with million dollar in revenue because like that is often what it takes to have that traction. And people who don't have the same access or the same traction see these two cases and think, like, this is very unfair, which it certainly is. Yeah. But it is also, unfortunately, the way the world is right now.
0: Well, I would say um, my co founder and I, in hindsight, had very good pedigrees. I had multiple patents in deployment, he had a PhD from Berkeley. Mm-hmm. We'd both been at companies that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. We were creating a new category, and we really struggled in the early days, yeah, like absolutely struggled. Mm-hmm. like we got thirty plus nos in our seed round. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really healthy for us in hindsight. Mm-hmm. I agree with that and this totally sounds like drink your cod liver and like it because mm-hmm. like at the time, I was absolutely miserable about this. Mm-hmm.
1: so I, I talked to a founder recently, and they're like, oh, you know I, I mailed ten investors, and you know, I got one no and nine silences. And I was like, yeah. These, so? so when I raised from Circle CI, we had probably around thirty no's as well. Like I think we talked to sixty investors and twelve invested. And in Dark, in the end, we had like fifty investors, but we talked to one hundred and sixty. Wow. I mean, at that at that stage, we had a you know much larger network. But there's a lot of investors out there, and most of them say no most of the time. Yeah, Most of them turned down Facebook, or uh, I don't know specifically Facebook, like they turned down Snapchat, they turned down Twitter, they they turned down Slack.
0: Yeah, it's funny, so at the time I was absolutely miserable, and I, I literally remember like, oh my god, how are we ever going to survive this? Mm-hmm. But it made us be very focused on actually making mm-hmm. money. And yep. I've had other friends who came out of the gate, and they were like some hot shot out of Twitter, mm-hmm. and raised a $4 million seed round just by kind of blinking. Mm-hmm. And they never had to focus. Mm-hmm. And they've actually said to me, like, hey, maybe that wasn't the best thing for a long-term work company. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially people who, um, you see this a lot, and I know you've written blog posts about this before, but people who like staff up their company before their product market fit.
0: Or just, they're like, well, I we raised four million, so the next four million will be easy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, the, the seed round, if it is easy, it is easy. And the A is absolutely not, because the A, you have a completely different story.
0: Or even then they get to the B, Mhm,
1: catches up with you no matter what.
0: It uh, catches up at some stage. Mm-hmm. Like
1: if you struggle to raise money in Silicon Valley, you will eventually be able to raise with metrics. Yeah, there is no company that cannot raise if they have metrics, and, and often it's harder based on, well, you know, systemic inequality as as one example, but also just like not being connected, being from a different place. But I don't think there's any company that couldn't eventually get the metrics to be funded. Purely on that basis.
0: And I think people get hung up on Silicon Valley funding being the only route to success. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true.
0: People are looking for a 10x return on their money. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of friends who are like, I have this really good company and we're yep. making 15, 20% year over year. Yeah. Why won't Silicon Valley fund me?
1: Yeah, it's like you, you don't want Silicon Valley funding.
0: That's, that's a bad thing for you to have. Yeah. Silicon yep. Valley wants two, three, 4x return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're making twenty percent year over year, like mm-hmm. go be happy.
1: Right. You see this a lot in in kind of people complaining about that sort of trite complaint of like Uber is just like buses or. That kind of thing. So people who look at what's happening in in Silicon Valley and they're like, you know, I can't believe they're funding this when they could be funding, you know, something valuable, maybe like uh, paying for water in in Flint or or something like actually valuable in the world, or this, you know, reliable business that like we know for sure is going to be a success. And it's it's not the model. And if you're trying to turn your model into someone else's model, then they just don't fit round peg square hole.
0: Yeah, and that that's absolutely fine. I remember um, we did an episode with Hockey App at Microsoft Build. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how they had this great living, mm-hmm. and they'd taken very little money, and they're yeah. like, "This is this is great for us." Yeah. So
1: going back to the original question, what's your advice for people who are just starting out now?
0: I have my advice that I give everybody. Mm-hmm. Make sure you really like the field. Founder market fit. Yeah, if you don't like it, mm-hmm. there's gonna be a day when you're like, "I'm not getting paid anything."
1: Yeah. This is miserable. Why am I doing this?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm not getting paid anything. Mm-hmm. All the stuff I took for granted when I was at a company. Mm-hmm. Like just the, like the basics, like like a salary. <laughs> <laughs> like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You're yeah, at the very yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> like a salary, a place to go, toilet mm-hmm. paper in the bathroom.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at some point you're going to be responsible for that in your in your company.
0: Yeah, if you don't like the core market. Mm-hmm. And also, if you don't like your coworkers. Mm-hmm. And the third co
1: founder breakups are the, the number one killer of startups. I would say that if you and your co founder don't get on from the start or aren't friends, you can work on it uh, and you must work on it because otherwise it will come get you.
0: Yeah. Like if you're, if you're day in and day out and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't like spending time with you. Right.
1: And if you're looking over them and you just want to murder them, then you, you need a therapist yesterday.
0: In fact, <laughs> that would be my, my
1: number one suggestion like, co founder therapist. Yeah. Often there'll be someone who has the title like executive coach. If you're in San Francisco, inner space Mm -hmm. uh, is really good. And then they will help you not murder each other, which is very valuable as your company grows.
0: Because I was about to say, even if you like your space and you like your co-founder, there's Mm going to be a day
1: when you're like... Startups are hard. There's going to be a time where you're just going to be like, fuck this. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And my third thing, which I've added over time is, um, and this goes back to the VC thing, Mm -hmm. you got to figure out, I think you have about a two-year Timeline to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Or there is something the market values.
1: Why a two-year timeline?
0: Because that's about the amount of time when you've burnt through your own savings Mm -hmm. and it's like, why am I still doing this? Mm -hmm. A fallacy I hear a lot is like, well, VCs should pay me to do this because it's neat. Mm -hmm.
1: The thing about your savings there, like, there's something very helpful about having money that will run out, especially if it's your own, rather than a VC's. If you have a four year runway, or if you live like so incredibly cheaply that you could just do this forever on on unlimited stuff, that's what you're going to be doing. But having, we have two years of money, therefore we need to start raising in a year and a half or be profitable. Therefore, we need to have found product market fit in a year. Therefore, we have six months to come up with the thing that we are doing. In order to build it to product market fit, in order to build something that we can raise with in order to actually raise the money. That that's scary math, but it is math that's actually essential for like getting your shit together. And it's so easy to just not have your shit together and fail by default.
0: Product market fit, I don't think is like a hard cliff.
1: No, no, it's not, no.
0: It's more like, hey, will anybody anywhere use this?
1: Yeah. Can I get someone to give me money for this thing?
0: Anybody, anywhere. Yeah. And then like, can I get another? Can mm-hmm. I get another? Can I get another?
1: So my major advice is product market fit is your goal. And it's a stage. It's Oh yeah, I mean, a little bit of my philosophy, and I, I copy this from, from Jesse Robbins. Your primary stage of startups is that you are trying to get to product market fit. This often corresponds with seed or pre-seed, depending on your stage and ability to raise money. And then as soon as you get product market fit, your company is entirely changed with figuring out you're going to market, Yep. which often... Coincides with like Series A or the old Series A, so it might be what what is what is called seed today. But if you do those activities in the early stage, or so like if you're trying to like growth hack before you've product market fit, and people spend a lot of time do, doing this, right? Then then you are not getting anywhere. If you are hiring a ton of salespeople based on on the idea that you have some sort of repeatable thing, and you're in pre product market fit, then you're going to fail. Yeah, and I know companies who like faked it. By accident. So like they went to South by Southwest. They got a huge amount of traction as a result of it. They thought it was product market fit, but it was just a lot of people from South by Southwest. And they never actually got product market fit. They had a lot of users, they raised a lot of money, and they eventually died.
0: Yeah. I mean so gonna go back to advice for founders is I really agree with you that if you have an idea you're really passionate about, you don't have to wait for product market fit to do it. Mm -hmm. Just just like go in with some sort of timeline. Yeah of like, hey, here are my own internal milestones. Mm -hmm. Like, If I can't get any customer by six months to even talk to me, Mm -hmm. this is a bad sign.
1: There's a similar thing to that where people don't have an idea of what they actually want. This comes up uh, when when I tell people how to think about getting a co-founder. You want someone who wants the same thing as you. There isn't a right answer for what your company is going to be. Like perhaps your company is going to be this like incredibly mercenary thing that is just gonna like make a lot of money. And and maybe that's fine. Or maybe maybe it's like this thing in the world that like needs to exist. Maybe you're building a huge company. Maybe you're you're trying to build a bootstrap company. And if you're building the wrong thing, then you're not gonna be happy. Well, that goes back to the rule number one of like do something that you're passionate about. Yes, and it's more than just idea. It's, it's like, the product that you build is going to have a market that is associated with it. Yeah, And the market that you're associated with dictates a certain amount about how your company is going to be, perhaps how much money you want to raise, etc. Like if you're trying to do Facebook, as an example, you are going to spend a long time on the VC train and you are constantly going to be growing the company and if you don't grow the company, your company is like going to fall
0: over. It's like a shark. Wait, what? Oh there's an the old thing about a shark it has to keep swimming or it'll die. Okay,
1: yes. Just Facebook shark. Ex- excellent analogy.
0: <laughs> you never saw you never saw any 70s movies? Huh? Uh
1: no, no, I wasn't alive then. So your product has all this like downstream impact on what kind of company you're you're going to have, and so you need to design that from, from the start. If you want to have a bootstrap company, you need to be building a product which is bootstrappable.
0: I completely agree, and that's where there's this mismatch of people are like uh, people think of VCs as a foundation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, oh, I'm really passionate about this. So the VC yeah. should give me four million. It's like, well, they ultimately have to. I'm picking on the hypothetical yeah. Nordic pension fund. Yeah. Nordic pension funds, like I got 3,000 teachers retiring this year in Stockholm, mm-hmm. where's the money to pay them their pension? Right, right.
1: I think what you're saying is, is is that your company may have the goals, but the VCs have their goals. And fortunately, their goals are extremely predictable. Yeah. Uh, you just need to figure out whether you're a match for them.
0: Yeah. Like I said, uh, I, I, this is personal to me because my grandfather worked at Bell Labs and he had a pension. hmm My grandmother was a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, like the idea that like VCs want to return money to people that are retiring is mm-hmm. very real to me. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've always thought of VCs as being in it for the altruistic outcome.
0: I don't think it's altruistic. It's just like they have people who, like my grandmother, was retiring and she mm-hmm. wanted to get her pension. It's important. My grandfather had worked as a at AT and T for four years. I'm making years. fun of
1: VCs, and I feel that you're ruining it for me.
0: Oh, that makes me feel happy. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean I think I think VCs can be held up as like oh just very mercenary. It's mm-hmm. like no, they they're trying to make money for people that are need a predictable return. Mm-hmm. Like if if my grandfather's like I want to retire, but all the money went into this crazy project, and we don't have any money for pension. Mm-hmm.
1: I would say the number one goal is you need to figure out what you want, and then what you do needs to be related to what you want. And it seems extremely simple, but I would say. 90% of people are following some formula that is unrelated to what do I actually want in life and what do I want my my life and my career and my company to be.
0: And also people are like I want to do a startup because I don't want to have a boss. It is like, oh. Ooh,
1: okay. <laughs> would you say that you have 800 bosses or 800 plus the number of people on your board plus the number of employees you have? I mean, how would you answer that question?
0: Yeah, I mean, yes. Like as a startup founder, how do you still have a boss? Uh,
1: well, so Ellen is my boss, yep. which is a thing I deliberately constructed that way, in fact. When at Circle, I was the boss and I did not necessarily enjoy that. But at Circle, my boss were my employees and my board and my customers. And that's a lot of bosses with a lot of uh, conflicting desires and a lot of incomplete information. And that's, that's very hard, not, not fun. Yeah. Now I have one boss.
0: Ted, our, our podcast
1: producer. <laughs> okay, I have two bosses. The other one's Ellen.
0: <laughs> well, I mean I hope in conclusion that we weren't too dire. I I still really encourage people to do startups. Oh, startups are great. You just you gotta have a plan for how
1: startups solve the thing that you're trying to do. I, I think to go back to you, you don't
0: have to have too much of a plan.
1: No, no, you just gotta you just gotta understand how your life overlaps with the startup that you're trying to build
0: yeah and like no plan survives contact with the real world hmm
1: well I remember I was I was trying to start up a startup with a friend a while back and we we had an idea that we agreed on and so we sat down and like tried to work out the values of our company and we immediately discovered that we were both trying to build completely different companies and as a result it was like oh well let's just not do this together okay great that's really quick. Yeah. What, what it some, took like a day to figure that out.
0: What were some of the divergent values?
1: It was it was the type of company that we wanted to build. Like I was I was a work life inclusionist, mm. um, and she was not. Mm. Uh, and I, th- I mean that that was the major one. So we had different expectations for like what it meant to work and to have a company.
0: Like she wanted to work all the time, or she didn't. No, wait?
1: no, I wanted to work all the time, and and she wanted a business that supported her.
0: Oh yeah, I think there's there's this trap of uh, I blame Tim Ferriss. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean
1: Tim Ferriss is, is I think a a problem in the world.
0: Like I'll deliberately name him because he had that book, yeah, like the four, four hour, hour work, work week. week yeah. And you get some people who are like I wanna
1: do a startup. There's so much uh, digital nomadry. Like we're gonna drop ship things to people instead of, you know, hard work.
0: Oh, well, don't get me wrong. I think that is definitely a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But I think it's different than being like, hey, I'm going to be on the ground working with customers all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. And neither has a higher intrinsic value to the world. Like, you know, do do what makes you happy, but try to make it that that what you do is the thing that makes you happy and not a formula that you read about on Hacker News.
0: Yeah, I still remember, so the book came out like seven or eight years ago, maybe longer. Oh,
1: much more than that.
0: Yeah, and I remember um, he had a chapter at the end of like, so he had hacked all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I say hack in like...
1: Yeah, the life hack sense.
0: Yeah, like, hey, I'm going to win this judo competition mm-hmm. because there's yeah, yeah, yeah. obscure... There's loop. a rule, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And he's like, and one of the things was, like, I'm going to hack running a 50K. Okay. So a 50K is a 31 mile race. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, was a big trail racer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how to hack a 50K. k
1: mm-hmm. And I mean, you just haven't thought about it in the way that Tim Ferriss has <laughs> thought about it.
0: Well, so he's like... My hack is going to come after this book is published, so I'm going to put a hyperlink in here and you could go read about it after the book comes out.
1: Oh, nice, nice. So that was the hack. There was actually no hack, but the hack was the well, that, sales hack.
0: And like, to the best of my knowledge, he still is around at 50K.
1: Oh, really? Ah, there, there's the hack. Promise to do it, don't actually do it.
0: Well, because like, it's funny, so um, I swear this is the last heavy bit story. So I used to sit right outside here and I sat mm-hmm. next to Orange from mm-hmm. Roku and Max. Mm-hmm. And I was training at the time for a 100 mile race. Mm -hmm. So I would run 5K on Friday, 50K on Saturday, 50K on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I would come out on Monday and I would just be like staggering up the steps. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, I'm so happy to be here and just sit in my chair at work. Mm -hmm. And Orrin would be like, What do you do? over the weekend I'm like, Ran 64 miles. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Why? And I'm like, Well, because I'm training for a 100 mile race. And they're like, Do you like that? I'm like, At this moment, no. I'm like, I'm really happy to be working on the startup again instead of like mm-hmm. out there sweating out in Livermore. And Oren's like, is there a hack? And I'm like, you run a lot. Mm-hmm. No hack. Well, what I said is, I honestly feel like you could hack a 50K and I'll, I'll tell you the secret some other time. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, after after you publish your book, you'll, you'll include a hyperlink to, yeah. to the secret.
0: You can hack a 50K, but for 100 miles. Mm-hmm. And I think a startup is kind of the same.
1: Mm-hmm. If you want, if you want something that's successful, you got to, you got to put the work in.
0: Uh, You got to go see the customers. You got to build up the team. You got to, you got to care about your product. You got to care about your co-founder. Like you got to care about the culture you're building. I don't, I don't, I don't see shortcuts. And, And more, I don't want there to be shortcuts to that.
1: The area where people want the shortcut, they want to build the thing, and then the thing works. Right. It's you know, everyone loves it. it. It spreads by word of mouth, it goes viral, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that, that that's the one that people are most misinformed about. What you actually need to do is you need to build something and you put it in front of someone and you discover that it's shit in a way that you didn't imagine and then you repeat it and then you repeat it and then you repeat it. And after like fifty times you've got something that's good.
0: And that's really fun because you get to see the customer's reaction change. Right. right. Like you get to go from the customer visit where they're like, I don't care mm-hmm. the customer visit where are like, Yes, like I went to Australia. Mm-hmm. And they applauded. And that felt so good.
1: There's a particular variation of this problem where people pay someone to build their prototype.
0: Oh, that was my job in the 90s.
1: Right. And if you need 50 iterations, then you need someone who's like with you on 50 iterations. And there's this reason that, like, you know, young engineers are able to build startups because they're able to afford to do 50 iterations because they're doing it themselves and they have no outgoings. But if you're not in that situation, then you need to figure out how you're going to get in that situation because you can't pay some outsourced company to do 50 iterations and put them in front of customers for you.
0: Well, so the mistake that I saw in the 90s is that I was the outsourced company. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't the company, I was a lowly engineer mm-hmm. and they would do one, maybe two iterations. Mm-hmm.
1: Two is significantly better than one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Almost
1: exponential returns at that at that level.
0: Well, actually if you go by Gambler's Ruin, it might be worse. Do you know Gambler's Ruin? No. You shake a, a pair of dice, it's gonna turn Okay, up. I do know that, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's either gonna be favorable or unfavorable. hmm So if the first one is unfavorable, mm-hmm. the second one might be even more unfavorable. Mm. Okay. So I didn't like being a consultant back then. I felt like we were not getting it right and we were mm-hmm. just walking away. Yep. So I think to your point, I'll, I'll paraphrase you, being a startup is just being willing to put another foot in front of the other another time. Mm-hmm. Maybe 50 times. Maybe for 100 miles.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of To Be Continuous, brought to you by Heavybit and hosted by me, Paul Berger of Dark, and Edith Harbaugh
0: of LaunchDarkly. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. While you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders.